There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in 10 and branch microfiber. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. everyone and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. And I'll be flying alone today. Phil couldn't make it today, so I'm going to go at it myself. You know, folks, we've been seeing a lot of uh, different types of crime. Uh, New York City has been inundated with crime of late. But more than that, we've been seeing a lot of politics uh, that could actually help the NYPD. And one of the things that I saw this week that was quite unusual was Mayor uh, Eric Adams actually going up against Governor Hochul, going up against the state legislature in Albany, going up against the rule of law with bail reform. And he, he, he was quoted as saying, or you could see it in the video, he says, insanity is when you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. And he said that. And what he was referring to was bail reform. And with bail reform in New York City comes a whole accoutrement of other nonsense, you know. And the other nonsense is the uh, policies of ADA Alvin Bragg, and not just him, but some of the other DAs across the the other boroughs, but this, these decarceral policies, which simply means the unwillingness to prosecute and put someone in jail or in prison. So in essence, the law has no teeth in it. So there's no bite. There's no, um, there's no sanctions there that's going to make someone regret committing a crime. So... What's consistent, though, are all of these district attorneys across the country that are sort of George Soros champion DAs. And, of course, Alvin Bragg was one of them. George Soros contributed $1 million to his campaign. The other one was Chisa Baudin. I think it's pronounced that way, from San Francisco, or Bowden. He had two parents that were involved in the Brinks robbery where two cops were murdered. Um, he was just removed, which is a great thing, because if someone's not doing their job, then you remove them. And New York doesn't have those laws. In New York, the only one that can remove the district attorney is the governor. And I think that Hochul is going to have more and more pressure as crime goes up more and more uh, to remove Alvin Bragg. Uh, But you also have to remember, with Alvin Bragg came his whole entourage of other district attorneys that came with him to the Manhattan DA's office and support his philosophy of non-prosecution. And, you know, I'm just I'm not just making this up. I'll show you some of the stuff later on uh, that when he uh, was came on board in February he had this list of 10 different things he was going to change. And it was very pathetic. One of the things we've also seen is in Florida, a um, Republican governor, um, Ron DeSantis, has just removed the state attorney general for not correctly doing his job, for basically disregarding the law and interpreting the law and working uh, state attorney generalship under his own guidelines and not following the law. And as a result, DeSantis suspended him. So take heed, uh, other states, other district attorneys. Relating to protecting the right to life in the state of Florida. And mind you, we have had prohibition on third trimester abortions for a long time. We've had prohibitions on partial birth abortions for a long time. And then most recently, the legislature enacted and I signed protections for unborn babies at three and a half months. 
And when they are aborted, it's typically done through a dismemberment procedure, which is really inhumane. Nevertheless, that is what the legislature has enacted, and it's not for him to put himself above that and say that he is not going to enforce the laws. We don't elect people in one part of the state to have veto power over what the entire state decides on these important issues. The Constitution of Florida has vested the veto power in the governor not an individual state attorneys. And so when you flagrantly violate your oath of office, when you make yourself above the law, uh, you have violated your duty, uh, you have neglected your duty, and you are displaying a lack of competence uh, to be able to reform those duties. And so today we are suspending state attorney Andrew Warren effective immediately. I guess uh, Warren was not very popular with the law enforcement community. We are not going to allow this uh, pathogen that's been around the country of ignoring the law. We are not gonna let that get a foothold here in the state of Florida. We are gonna make sure that our laws are enforced uh, and that no individual prosecutor puts himself above the law. And I can tell you the states and the localities that have allowed this to happen, uh, they are ruining the day. You wanna know why some people are moving to Florida? Because their communities are no longer safe thanks to prosecutors that think they know better than the people's representatives and they get to pick and choose which laws that they are, they are enforcing. So this was something that uh, had had a lot of input around the state this is something that I think is a very, very important issue across our country that this movement would be allowed to take hold where you basically elevate your own personal conception of, quote, social justice over what the law requires of you. And I would note those who say this represents social justice, look at San Francisco. They had to recall this prosecutor who was put in funded by people like George Soros saying he's not going to prosecute. They did the recall election. He was recalled, even in a very liberal jurisdiction. But the places that voted to keep him were the affluent communities who are not bearing the brunt of the policies. The places that voted to recall him were the working class communities because they bear the burden of ignorance and refusal to enforce the law. And so what this is all about is really when you uphold the rule of law, you are protecting the most vulnerable in our society. That's why we have a rule of law. And so I think today's uh, action is, is obviously warranted. I, I know that there'll potentially be some uh, uh, Florida Senate could potentially see this depending on how things are going out. Uh, but I just think that to take a position that you have veto power over the laws of this state is untenable. And, and I think it, it warrants the suspension and eventual removal of office. And so we're happy to be here with a number of people in law enforcement. And so I want to thank my friend and uh, the sheriff here, Chad Cronister in Hillsborough County. And I'm going to have him come up and say a few things. Thank you, Governor. Uh, we are extremely grateful the state of Florida uh, and all of law enforcement have you. Each day I wake up, I leave my family, and I go to work with purpose and pride to uphold my oath of office and keep everyone in Hillsborough County safe. And the nearly 4,000 employees here at the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office share these same values. We put our lives on the line for complete strangers. We are resolved to apprehend the criminals who prey on law-abiding citizens in our community. It's our duty, and we trust that our criminal justice system, the state attorney, public defender, and courts or fairly adjudicate the circumstances and hold those who are guilty accountable. Like law enforcement throughout the county, our criminal justice partners also take an oath to uphold the Constitution, the duly enacted laws of this state, and to be the voice for victims and the protectors of public interest. The governor's, of, the governor's suspension of state attorney Warren is not political to me. It's about law and order. It's about ensuring our loved ones are safe. It's about the victims and their voices. There aren't Republican and Democratic victims, just victims. 
They matter and they should be heard. Over the last several years, State Attorney Warren has acted as an adjudicator of all, as if some type of supreme authority, by reducing charges, dropping cases, and single-handedly determining what crimes will be legal or illegal in our county. Ask yourself, aren't these the decisions for the courts or a jury of our peers? One of the more egregious examples occurred in September and involved a suspect who, after shooting someone, then opened fires on a residence where that victim sought refuge and protection. Inside of that house was the victim, his mother, other children, and extended family members who were forced to take cover and hide. To make things even worse, nearby was another mother and her twin infant twins, her twin infant children in a vehicle. One of the shooters, our suspect, was identified and arrested just a short few days later. After being released from jail, he was caught and arrested for committing another burglary. And while in jail, the state attorney's office no files charges on the shooting and the separate burglary charge. Earlier this year, this very same suspect was again arrested for carrying a concealed firearm. And just last week, arrested for the second time on charges of carrying a concealed firearm. My point is, like too many cases, why was this not a, why was this violent offender not held responsible for the original shooting? The state, state attorney's office explanation to our detective is the depositions would have been too lengthy and complicated. To add a little more context, the suspect who faced no accountability for the shooting, we believe has gang affiliation and involvement in an unsolved homicide. One of the victims in this case, the mother, is extremely angry and frustrated with State Attorney Warren, feeling as though her, feeling as though her status as a victim doesn't matter and the state attorney simply does not care. The victim wanted to be here today to tell her story herself, but has to work in order to provide for her family. The victim has lived in a motel since this shooting because she's too frightened to return to that home. Even in the face of this adversity, law enforcement continues to report for duty and uphold their obligation. As your sheriff, I continue to work with my law enforcement counterparts who privately are frustrated with the state attorney who seems intently focused on empathy for criminals and less interested in pursuing justice for crime victims. As most everyone knows, I'm a tremendous proponent of reducing recidivism. I've created several diversion programs and continue to provide resources, education, and training opportunities for individuals to rehabilitate and improve themselves while still holding offenders responsible for their actions. These efforts do not involve a blatant refusal to uphold the laws of our state. As the governor just outlined, and as Tampa law enforcement has seen over the years, empowering criminals through a lack of prosecution jeopardizes the safety of our Tampa Bay community and makes them even more brazen to commit additional crimes and continue to victimize the innocent. As the sheriff of Hillsborough County, I am committed to law and order, and I hold myself accountable to the people and would expect other elected members of our community to uphold these same values. Today, Governor DeSantis is holding State Attorney Warren accountable. That was a beautiful thing. Could you imagine in New York City or New York State, we had a governor that backed up law enforcement the way that DeSantis does? I mean, the job of a district attorney is to prosecute, but also to interpret the law and when and justice. Really, it's justice. But you cannot just drop cases when you feel that you want to be lenient on a defendant. And when Alvin Bragg first uh, went into office in, in um, I believe it was in February, he had a big problem because he published a 10-point point of view of what he was going to do. And one of the things he spoke about was to prosecute um, 
prosecute robberies as a misdemeanor. So in essence, and this is, was his words, <clears throat> someone goes into a commercial establishment, pulls a gun, sticks the place up, but doesn't shoot anybody. So he's a nice guy. He doesn't shoot anybody. We're going to prosecute that as a misdemeanor, as long as no one was hurt and other factors will take into consideration. That's, that's not okay. That is not okay with the people that own stores. That's not okay with the taxpayers in Manhattan. If someone sticks a gun in my face and removes my property, there's no way you're prosecuting that as a misdemeanor. That's ridiculous. That person who has the gun stuck in their face is traumatized for the rest of their life. Um, he said that commercial robberies in, that involve the use of guns or even convincing looking fake guns would be charged as felonies as would some robberies committed with other weapons. Mr. Bragg had said earlier that he would only charge robberies as felonies if a defendant had created a genuine risk of physical harm. So he did, he did a tap dance backwards after he was called on it by the governor. And the governor's cute too, because she called him on this because she felt that it was going to affect her and affect her the election in November. So she will only, I think, remove Bragg if he is such a, a huge liability um, to her that she has a, a danger of not being elected. He said that gun possession would be taken seriously. I'm reading from the New York Times and that those walking the streets with guns would be prosecuted. The default in gun cases is a felony prosecution, he said. Gun possession had not been among the crimes Mr. Bragg previously said he would seek incarceration for. So he did a full 360 uh, when he was called on this. And I know, I, I don't have it queued up, but everyone saw the two cops that got a beaten in the subway last week by the male and the female who the officers tried to eject from the system and they attacked the officers. Bragg also said that he would be tough on, um, on attacks on, on police officers. That guy had an open gun case and you saw the attack on the officer. Bragg prosecuted that case as a juvenile. So he put the case in family court. So another, it just, it just, you can't make this stuff up. And he also has a whole thing where he doesn't want to incarcerate anyone. So all of these things, does he as a district attorney have the right to do this or is he just supposed to prosecute or, or does he does he have the right to downgrade cases like this i mean I, I find it i find it somewhat outrageous that that he can do that um this was the um i'm going to bring up uh bowden uh this was um when the district attorney from san francisco was recalled. So are the voters sending the Democrats? Are they sending them a message that we want prosecution? We want to be safer? We don't want you cutting loose? Fallout after a stunning defeat. Voters in one of the most progressive cities in America removing their progressive district attorney from his job. People are right to be frustrated. There's so much room for improvement. Chase Boudin was elected touting alternatives to prison and recalled in a landslide facing criticism for being soft on crime. With San Francisco struggling with rising homelessness, hate crimes, and violence, his defeat now a warning to other progressive prosecutors. Like DA George Gascon in LA, facing a possible recall election of his own. And in New York, DA Alvin Bragg openly criticized by fellow Democrat Mayor Eric Adams. No one takes criminal justice seriously anymore. These bad guys no longer take them seriously. They believe our criminal justice system is a laughing stock. Tonight, President Biden urging mayors and police chiefs to act. It's time the states and the localities spend the money they have to deal with crime. Meanwhile, Boudin supporters are concerned the priorities of progressive prosecutors are at risk. I'm Professor Laura Bazelon investigates wrongful convictions in San Francisco. We have other cases that are in the pipeline. Our work is on the chopping block, too. I've been robbed on Mission Street. I was jumped on 6th Street. But tonight, San Francisco voters like liberal Democrat and sandwich shop owner Adam Mesnick demanding change. The top cop has failed. 
Between the enormous amount of money spent on this recall and the enormous national attention it received, it's clear that rising crime rates are going to be a major issue in the midterms. Thanks for watching our. You know, one of the things that uh, we're not going to forget, I mean, many of these people forget that during the riots of 2020, Many Democrats, including uh, President Biden, were in the defund the police movement. Are we supposed to forget that now? I mean, there's video of them saying that. There's video. So they can't deny it. So all of a sudden they're like, support your local police. Look, in New York City, it was so poorly reported, but they removed $1 billion from the police budget. That buffoon, de Blasio. He removed $1 billion, with a B, dollars from the police budget. If that's not defunding the police, then, then what is? What is? And that is what, you know, the George Floyd incident has hurt policing. It's set back policing probably 20 or 30 years nationally, nationally, across the entire country. And it's just... It, it's just, uh, how long will it take us to get back? And New York City cops are fleeing the job. Uh, they, they're going to other jurisdictions, other jobs, or they're just quitting the police. Maybe they don't want to be the police anymore. Maybe they got a taste of being the police and they didn't like the way they were treated. So these are all the things and the damage that it did. And New York City is, is, is in a tough situation now with staffing also because they can't get people to take the job and people are leaving the job in droves. So it's a problem. It's a problem. And, you know, when they used to announce a test of the NYPD, they used to charge money to take it. Thousands and thousands of people would take the test. No more. Bernie is laying out his plan for fighting crime in the city. Alvin Bragg says he will stop seeking prison sentences in some cases and downgrade some others. CBS 2's Dick Brennan has details. You know, having had a automatic weapon to my, my head, a knife to my throat. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg says he knows what some New Yorkers have gone through because he's lived it himself. I wanted um, to give voice to the people who know those experiences uh, and to give context to those who don't. Now he's ready to put his mark on the Manhattan DA's office. In a memo to staff, Bragg said offenses like marijuana misdemeanors, prostitution, and fare evasion will no longer be prosecuted. And he thinks longer sentences do not deter crime and make society safer. Go back 35 years, you saw sort of increased um, uh, incarceration with not uh, necessarily leading to public safety benefits. And the most recent chapter in our city, pre-pandemic, of incarceration and crime both decreasing. That's what we've got to get back to. Frank is also advising lesser charges for some low-level drug offenders and some burglaries. And in low-level store robberies, lesser charges if a subject displays a dangerous instrument but does not create a genuine risk of physical harm. The Police Benevolent Association says it has serious concerns about the message these types of policies send to police officers and criminals. And critics fear the effects on the people who live or work in Manhattan. There's nothing wrong with saying you want to decrease the amount of people in our prisons. There's nothing wrong with saying uh, you want to exercise stronger discretion in who we send to prison. Uh, but there are some people out there who are committing violent felonies. And what does Mayor Eric Adams think of the new policies? I have not communicated with the DA. Uh, I have not uh, looked over and analyzed exactly what he's calling for. Mayor Adams says he'd like to convene a meeting between law enforcement, lawmakers and the DAs so they can hash things out. Well, you know, uh, it's, it wasn't talked about there, but a huge problem, and we, we spoke about it this week. In New York City, of course, and New York State is bail reform. It's destroying the whole criminal justice system. And I think that was what Adams had said, that uh, it's really taking a toll on the city, that, uh, you know, the revolving door, it's just, it's, it's just a crazy thing like that. Someone gets arrested, say for a gun or a serious crime, and the next the, the next day they're out. It's like it just is. It, it's ridiculous, and th that's the thing that they're going to have to address. But none of these Albany politicians. You got um, Stuart Cousins, and you got Carl Hastie, who's the Speaker of the Assembly. They don't want to talk about this. They don't want to talk about this anymore. It's just incredible. 
So it's like, this is something they're going to have to talk about because bail reform is, has been, uh, or bail, the whole situation has been a disaster. And um, sorry, guys, I'm having a little technical difficulties with the, um, with bringing a, uh, bringing a little video up on the screen. Um, so yeah, the, I'm, I'm free. I'm froze up too. stop sharing. Let's see. Guys, can you hear me? Okay. Um, yeah. So we're having uh, a lot of problems in this city with bail reform. And then you marry that with the diaphragm law and it's the perfect storm. It's just, it's the perfect storm of problems with the criminal justice system. And, and you know, it's, it's a disaster. And what was it that Adam said the other day, which is of course the definition of insanity is doing the same thing uh, over and over again, and expecting different results. Well, that's what he said the other day. A combined 485 times since the bail reform laws were implemented in 2020. At least six of them confirmed to be roaming the streets today, probably hanging out outside of Fox, just taking craps everywhere. So how can any reasonable judge or DA think this is safe for their community? Joining me now, former D.C. police detective, defense attorney, and Fox News contributor, Ted Williams. Oh, Ted, it's great to have you back. Um, so where is your heart here? Is your heart with the criminals? You know, you, you wear the hat of a uh, defense attorney, or is it with the cops who are so frustrated because administration after... You know, someone in the chat just mentioned, yes, Lee Zeldin, the Republican nominee for, for, for governor, was attacked on the stage. Uh, someone had an object. It was a razor of some kind. And the guy was arrested and released that night or released the next day. It just shows you how ridiculous this whole situation is. Someone attacks someone running for office and they're, they're out the next day. It, that's, not, oh, that's not working government. After administration, these mayors turn their backs on them. What is the point of going out and policing when you get people off the streets and they're given desk tickets? You know, my heart is with the citizens, the law-abiding citizens who uh, should know. And let me tell you the best-kept secret. Crime pays. It's unfortunate that I have to say that, but crime pays. These guys... They go into the system, the law enforcement officers arrest them over and over again. And before the ink is dry on the paperwork, these individuals are back on the street. You hear Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, saying that there are 10 career criminals who have been arrested over 500 times between themselves. Uh, it's embarrassing. And it's, you know, they're, they're doing the same thing. Some of them, uh, they go into places like Target and CVS with, you know, giant garbage bags. And they just fill them up with stuff and they sell them on the street. You know, it's not like they're Robin Hood and they're giving it to poor people. They're turning a profit off of stolen goods. I saw a guy in CVS the other day get uh, run out of the place by two security guards who finally did something. And, you know, this guy had the audacity to yell back at them. He's like, why are you stopping me from doing this? Oh, you're targeting me. It's like, you just stole a pair of glasses, you idiot. But it's not just people who are stealing stuff from, you know, these chain drug stores. We're talking about people who commit violent felonies. Those people should not be roaming around because guess what? They know they can operate with impunity. They can hurt anyone they want. And now they're, they're actively hurting people, pushing them down and taking their stuff. We saw a guy in New York get run over by a car in the Bronx. Three guys got out and rifled through his pockets and took all his stuff when he was passed out on the sidewalk. And then he was in critical condition. You know, it, it, it's an embarrassment, uh, I got to tell you, Kennedy. But unfortunately, this is an embarrassment that's taking place all over this country. And I can tell you one of the most frustrated groups of uh, law enforcement officers who want to do the right thing out in the community and lock these people up. But can you uh, envision being a law enforcement officer locking up someone in the morning and before you can go home that afternoon, that person is back on the street only to be locked up again tomorrow or the next day? Uh, it's a very frustrating 
revolving door that's taking place here in America. And we've got to get these legislators off of their butts and they're gonna have to do something for law-abiding citizens. It seems as though they clearly favor criminals by letting them commit a crime, go uh, be arrested, and be back on the street. Yeah, they, they open what, the door and they're like, all about? go on out there, all the stuff you wanna steal is out there, all the people you wanna hurt so you can take their stuff, they're out there too. Uh, there, there's no disincentive, and there's also, there's no social workers. So, you know, they had a billion dollars for a mental health initiative here in New York City. And I, I walked through Columbus Circle the other day, and there were dudes with, like, cauliflower toes just bathing in the fountain. And, you know, they're, they're not male strippers, Ted. Well, like I said, law-abiding citizens, uh, Kennedy, are the ones who are suffering. And, you know, we're talking about the criminals, but we need to be talking about some of these DAs like Alvin Bragg of Manhattan, of yeah. Kim Fox of Chicago, oh. George Gascon of Los Angeles. Yeah, George Gascon is going to be recalled. Not every state has a recall mechanism, but Kim Fox, a guy who's been working in her office for 25 years, just resigned because he thinks that she's a buffoon. She doesn't know what she's doing and she's completely corrupt. And here's a guy who's been there for 25 years and he's leaving a job that, you know, it's like, I don't know if he's done it well. I'm, I'm guessing he's pretty happy there. He's been there a long time. Maybe he's just getting a pension. Who knows? But I, I do believe him when, when he says that, that she is corrupt, she is tarnished and it does a complete disservice to uh, that part of Illinois. Ted Williams, always good to talk to you. Thank you, dear. You know, folks, during the uh, chat, someone mentioned to me about what do you think about Governor Abbott from Texas sending illegal um, migrants to Washington, D.C. and to New York City via bus? And one thing that Washington, D.C. and New York City have in common is they're both sanctuary cities. So they're more or less snubbing their nose. Yeah, yeah. Texas has uh, had over 60,000 people illegally come into their state. And that's a federal problem. That's Joe Biden's problem. That's Kamala Harris's problem. They're doing nothing about it. So I think Abbott's brilliant. Put them on a bus, send them to the sanctuary cities. They're embracing them. Come on, come to us. We got nothing but money. And, you know, again, that's flouting the law. That's against the law to do that. Because the law is just supposed to be coming to this country legally. You know, and obviously it's not happening. Uh, It's it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. What they were referring about in that that little news report was the New York Post article where they wrote uh, 10 career criminals racked up nearly 500 arrests since New York bail reform began. I mean, is that... Is that outrageous or is that outrageous? I mean, 10 career criminals racked up 500 arrests. Is, I mean, is it, that, that's, that's like incredible. It's like an incredible thing. I mean, how do we allow that to happen? These are the recidivists. These are the people that Alvin Bragg are, are defending. He doesn't want to put them in jail, doesn't want to put them in prison. Uh, just totally outrageous. If I can get this to play here. Is the number one issue on uh, New Yorkers mind right now. You know, regardless of all the good stuff we're doing, until we get crime under control, uh, New Yorkers are going to feel we're not making progress, which we are. We are decreasing in shootings for the last uh, 11, 12 uh, 12 months. I don't know the exact number of months, uh, 12, 12 weeks, I'm sorry, 12 weeks. Uh, decrease in shootings since we instituted our plan. We're seeing a decrease in shooting, decrease in homicides. We're seeing a 30-year high in gun arrests, 30-year high in gun arrests. So we are, our plan, which we're constantly modifying. Guys, I wasn't hearing that too well, so I'm going to take it off the screen. But Adams has been very outspoken, and you got to realize Adams is a Democrat, and he spoke out against Democrats about how, um, you know, how, how the crime right now is just out of control, just totally out of control. He called it insane. 
you know, I was the other day I was joking. You guys all remember that Crazy Eddie electronic um, commercial where he used to guy Crazy Eddie used to go on the screen and go, these prices are insane. Well, these policies, these policies are insane. And it, it's crazy. Like a, a mayor goes on TV with his executive staff and talks about how ridiculous these policies are. It, it's just incredible. Kathy Hughes, P. Doyle was there. I currently live in the Hudson Valley. Well, I don't know, but I have lived in Milk. I'm sorry. It was Bill, it's been every government's problem in this country for the past 40 to 50 years, blame both Republicans and Democrats for the immigration problems we, we have. Uh, we need to do things like the old days. Absolutely. Scotty Wagner, thank you so much uh, for the 499 Super Chat. Yes, I did fix the sign behind me. Uh, I, I was a little reluctant to do that, but I did do it. And uh, it's it, I think it looks a little bit better. But thank you, Scotty. Um, so, so it's it's just, you know, and in New York City, on top of all of this stuff, you have the um, you have the problem with uh, the diaphragm law, which is other jurisdictions will not allow their police officers to come into New York City because of the diaphragm law. They don't want their officers subject to what they consider to be a horrendous law, which in an arrest situation subjects an officer to a misdemeanor. For the state to change bail laws today, his office released new numbers pointing to a crime wave by a small group of repeat offenders. But as CBS 2's Ali Bauman reports, bail reform advocates claim the mayor's proposal would endanger more people. At a press conference Wednesday, Mayor Adams joined the NYPD in detailing rap sheets for who they deem the 10 worst criminals in New York City. Men with 485 arrests between them since bail reform was enacted in January 2020. These offenders face very few, if any, repercussions despite committing crime after crime. The mayor says he wants judges to be able to consider dangerousness when deciding whether or not to set pretrial bail. Our criminal justice system is insane. It is dangerous, it is harmful, and it's destroying the fabric of our city. But Governor Hochul says under the current law, judges are able to set bail for violent repeat offenders. What we gave judges was the ability to consider severity of the offense. Is this a repeat offense? Is it a is there a, uh, a history involved here? Her belief that the judges have the tools they need, yes, they have tools that they need. They're not using them. Ariel Reed, an attorney for the Legal Aid Society, believes allowing judges to set bail based on dangerousness would lend itself to bias. The ideas about who is dangerous and who is not, those, all of those things have led to the um, decimation of communities of color. Bail reform advocates argue the mayor's proposal would send more innocent people to Rikers Island. I was in there for a crime that I never committed and sat there on a $100,000 bail for over three years for them to say, you know what? Not guilty. Go home. The bail laws are working, Mr. Mayor. Please don't mess with things that are saving lives. The governor suggested judges take continuing education programs so they can stay up to date with bail changes enacted by the legislature. A spokesman for the state courts told me the governor is more than welcome to come and speak to criminal court judges about the law. In the newsroom, Ali Bauman, CBS2 News. I would think that the judges should know the law, not all these ACLU people and all of these, uh, these groups that I think the judge should know the law better than them. Steve C., it's nice to be here for a live show. Having to wake up at 3 a.m. for work, it's prohibitive to be here for the 9 p.m. show. show is still great, Bill. Steve C., thank you so much. It's my pleasure to, to do it. It's great to do it in the afternoon, too. Uh, I mean, on a Saturday, it's a beautiful day out. The Pranzos uh, let me know that they were going to a party on the beach, so they weren't going to be here. Maybe they'll listen from their phone because the Pranzos are always, always here. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired NYPD sergeant. If you're not subscribed to us, just go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. It's free to subscribe to us. I know all you older, older folks like me, some of you guys don't know how to use YouTube. It's free to go on there and subscribe to our podcast. Just go on it, ring the bell, Give us a thumbs up and you're in. 
If you want to uh, help us out financially, then we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have a uh, YouTube channel membership. And the folks in the chat with their green font, they're part of our family, our YouTube family. And we appreciate them. Thank you guys for supporting us. It's always a, a great thing. Um, you know, I know I showed this video the other day and we spoke about it. I actually did a show about it. Just totally outrageous. These officers from the 4-4 precinct got called to a street, a disorderly crew uh, crowd on that street. Um, they tried to calm the crowd down. They grabbed the guy with, that had a gun, a loaded gun. That exacerbated the situation. The crowd started throwing bottles at them. And uh, I just want to do a shout out to those cops. Those cops did a great job. The 4-4 precinct is no joke. This guy here, a little tough guy, uh, I'd, I'd take him in my anti-crime unit at any time. Uh, four, four cops, keep your heads up. Uh, these are some of the guys that we're throwing that they're looking for post-incident. And uh, hopefully the detective squad will lock these guys up and they'll be charged. Um, just, just outrageous that someone these days can throw a bottle, uh, a bottle at a police officer doing his duty. And, uh, you know, what happens? Uh, that's the Bronx. So I don't, that, that's not Alvin Bragg. We can't blame Alvin Bragg. But are they going to get prosecuted? Are they going to go to jail? Frank Marsha, if you walk into a place with a gun, you're dangerous. When you assault someone like police officers, you are dangerous. Whereas Al Sharpton about what happened in the Bronx with the NYPD officers. Well, no one's going to come to the defense of the NYPD officers. Paul. Mignot, if you want to take a bite out of recidivism, you better lock them up early and often sad but true. Angie Yang, good to see you, Angie. Subscribe. Uh, where's Joe today? Angie's the other half of uh, Joe Murray. She, uh, she's the hardworking half that does all of his, uh, his, his legal footwork, you know. Uh, Red Hook, she bad, two Bronx DA. <laughs> okay. Kathy Hughes. Um, Jersey Devil, yep, that is a nightmare detail, all right? You should have gotten combat paper having to listen to that song all day long. I think her name is Darcel. Yes, Darcel Clark is the Bronx DA. Uh, Angelang, working, I'm taking a break from cleaning. So Joe Murray's working, he's making the bacon, he's going to put it into the pan, and Angie's at home cleaning. They're a good tag team there, you know, a good team. So, you know, these... What we're talking about, we're hoping that these incidents that occurred this week, that maybe they're getting the attention of uh, someone in government. And if it's only, um, if, if it's only, um, if it's only Governor Hochul, that's someone to get the attention of because she's up for election in November. And right now she's got a certain percentage point lead. But if these incidents keep occurring and other uh, Democrats speak out against each other, then, you know, there's a good chance. There's a, there's a chance that Governor Hochul can be defeated, you know, and crime is a huge issue right now. We know crime is a huge issue because, uh, The seven major crimes are up like 30%. Although they say shootings and homicides are down, a very small percentage point, the seven major crimes are up. So that's something to take into consideration. And, you know, New York City, a lot of people, um, Kathy Hughes, um, I lived in the 4-4, rough neighborhood, awesome cops, that's for sure. Uh, Rocky is Rocky is here. Hey, Kim. Hey there. Uh, Smitty, it just got old arresting the same dirtbag POS every night. I don't want to use that dirty word. Uh, YouTube, YouTube will, will take me off the, uh, uh, will take me off the air. You know, guys, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I kept, um, I used to simulcast live on YouTube and Facebook live with this show. 
And I've decided to take it off Facebook. And the reason being is that Facebook kept threatening me with um, taking me off the air and not doing anything, but I was just posting my podcast. And they were saying I was violating community standards. So my 29,000 subscribers now are just about 28.8 will now not be going to YouTube, YouTube, because I violated your community standards, but you violated mine. So I'm done with you. I'm done with, uh, excuse me, with Facebook. I'm done with Facebook. It's because I violated the community standards. You violated mine. I'm off there. You lost 28,800 people going on Facebook when my show was on. I mean, just outrageous. And other people have told me that they censor you. Well, you know, but so does some other, uh, some other carriers censor you too. But Facebook, you know, saying I violated community standards, what standards did I violate? And you know what the, the frustrating thing is? You can't communicate with anybody. They'll, they'll have a thing, do you agree with this? Check this box. No, I don't. But no one ever gets back to you. So what's the point of agreeing with it or not agreeing with it? Just just ridiculous, you know? Um, uh, you know, so I just simply uh, took it off took it off of, uh, of Facebook. There, there's a, a bottle thrower right there that perhaps he's already been uh, identified. Uh you know, by the um, the detectives in the four in the four four, but uh, we won't know until we hear from the detectives. But you know, some of the most horrendous things happened too um, this weekend. I, I I thought that that incident in the subway was particularly uh, horrendous. That someone would would attack a cop like that, and it's just. And I think that cops these days, they're afraid to defend themselves. Um, they're afraid to defend themselves because, you know, with this diaphragm law and with all uh, the threats of getting in trouble for this and getting in trouble for that, uh, I just want to show that the, the assault on the officer, and it's just, it's just so outrageous uh, that I think we need to see it again. 5% the biggest transit system in the country. And attacks against cops on subways are up by a huge amount. As we saw this weekend, two cops punched several times, assaulted by a teenager who was fair hopping. I want to see reporter N.J. Burkett live at the scene on the Upper East Side. N.J. Right, Bill, this incident happened on the Lexington Avenue line at the 125th Street subway station. Officers say they spotted the teen jumping a turnstile, confronted him about it, and then apparently asked him to leave the subway station. They say he refused to do that, and what happened next was captured on cell, on cell phone video. Officers say the team turned on them in a rage, and for several minutes, it was pandemonium in the 125th Street station. He could be seen throwing punches and landing punches as the officer struggled to arrest him. He will eventually be subdued and taken into custody and then released within 24 hours without posting bail. MTA Chairman Jano Lieber. I don't understand how the law would permit that guy to be released. When he has two priors, he's already out on the street for, to have him immediately released for that attack on a police officer, I don't get it. I know our riders don't get it. Police officials say the officers were attacked after they spotted the teen jumping the turnstile with his girlfriend, that he lashed out at them after they told the couple to leave the subway station one of two attacks on NYPD transit officers this past weekend. NYPD Transit Chief Jason Wilcox told MTA board members that assaults on his officers have skyrocketed this year. In many cases, while officers were attempting to enforce so-called quality of life infractions. We have seen over a 55% increase in assaults on police officers this year. The majority of these assaults on police officers began as the officers were engaging persons who had committed fare evasion and or other quality of life violations on the trains and stations. In the Harlem incident, police say the same teen had two recent prior arrests, including one case where he was arrested with several others in possession of a loaded 40 caliber gun and a crossbow. 
The criminals underground know they can get in a brawl, choke a cop, and be back out in hours, said PBA President Patrick Lynch. Cops are putting ourselves on the line to make the subway safer, but we are feeling abandoned by a justice system that won't back us up, end quote. Matthew Rue shot the video. I just want to make sure, you know, there was a witness for anything that happened that shouldn't have happened and anything that could have happened that didn't happen. The officers were later treated for cuts. That guy seemed like some Rhodes Scholar. I mean, what a quote. I don't know what he meant. I have no idea. And bruises and released. Police sources tell me that the entire incident was captured on the officer's body cams and that, in fact, those body cam videos show the officers trying to de-escalate the situation before the team started throwing punches. That was outrageous, right? Just outrageous. You know, one of the things that they just also announced recently that um, only 60% of the ridership uh, has come back since the pandemic. So they're missing 40% of the ridership. So who's going to pay for that? This is like a class. I'm asking the class, who's going to pay for the 40% who are not taking the subway? I have an answer to it, but I wanna see if you guys have an answer. Do you guys have an answer? Who's gonna pay for the 40% people who are not jump, not going on the subway anymore? Come on, class. <laughs> no one knows? Well, I'm gonna tell you, and then you can guess another one. Starting very soon in the next few weeks, they're instituting something called congestion pricing in New York City. So that means you evil people from the suburbs that own these carbon burning vehicles that burn fossil fuels. If you go past a certain street, they're gonna hit you with 15 or 20 bucks on your easy pass. And what's that gonna supplement? The MTA, let's pay for the 40 people, 40% 40 that's no longer riding the subway. Let's hit up those poor dopes from the subway that are gonna drive those fossil fuel burning vehicles into the city. It's not over yet, folks. This is a two part, this is a two-part question, two-part answer that no one knows the answer to. Does anyone know what's also going to contribute to the MTA? Come on, you got to Come on, guys. Think along the same way that I just did. I'm not going to give you the answer right away. Come on. Think along the same way. What did they also announce was being instituted 24-7? Initially, they said it was only going to be a couple of days, a couple of hours, and just near schools. But what did they just announce is going to happen 24-7, seven, seven days a week, 365? All right, guys, I'm going to have to tell you, speed cameras. Now, if you go over 35 miles an hour, they're going to mail you a $50 summons to your house. That's going to pay for the turnstile jumper in the subway. That's going to pay for the 40% of people who never returned. Yes, Joe Bissett. The speed cameras, yay! These cameras are insane! You know, you're gonna get those 50 and $100 summonses to supplement the MTA's income because not enough people are riding the trains since the pandemic. Yes, yes. So now when you drive that evil fossil fuel burning carbon emitting vehicle, you're getting penalized on your end. You know, see how they can just charge it to you too? You're brilliant, right? They just charge it to your easy pass, right? And then how about the um, speed speed tickets? The only good thing about the speeding ticket is it's not points on your license because they can't prove that that was you, specifically you driving your car. So they hit you with the $50 summons, but you know, no points on your license. Is anyone out there happy about that? <laughs> no one? Plate readers, you're right, Angie. They got all kinds of stuff out there. I like plate readers for our safety, but I don't believe that um, uh, speed cameras are for our safety. I think it's for the city's cash register. I think that cash register is going to be bing, bing, bing. It's going to be clicking all the time, you know? So you got red light cameras. You got congestion pricing got speed cameras. What else do you got? Can't park anywhere anymore, right? Everywhere you go now, it used to be, you know, you could uh, 
park after like after six o'clock. Now, but you can't park there between six and ten. It's it's like they've they're making this city an unfriendly place to go into. Look at look at the money people spend when they go into the city. You go to see a Broadway show. What does a Broadway show cost these days? Two hundred dollars a ticket, and that's just the beginning. Then you got gas and tolls. Gas, whoa, gas is maybe more than two hundred. You got gas and tolls, right? And then you want to have something to eat. So it's like they're making it un. I, you know, I haven't been in the city months and months and months because they've made it unfriendly. Joe Bissett, crime is so out of hand. Uh, that I bought a ballistic insert for my back while in the city and a small trans first aid kit. Wow, you're really taking it seriously. Uh, yeah, P. Doyle, good call, cash cow. But look, if you go into a Broadway show, you know, when you it's you and your date or whatever, right? Could be $400 just for the tickets, right? And then, oh, I, I just thought something just rang a bell in my brain. I like Bruce Springsteen. I'm not like a huge fan of his. I like a couple of his tunes, but I've never been to a Springsteen concert. But, you know, he always purports to be, oh, this working man deep in the swamps of Jersey. You know, he's always saying, uh, screen door slams, marriage dress waves. I can vision she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. It's me that I want you only. Don't turn me home again. I just can't take myself alone again. I was trying to do the Bruce Springsteen rasp. Anyway, they, he just took a hit because he wants to charge $5,000 for the best tickets to his concert. This working man, champion working man, wants to charge $5,000 to the best seats to his concert. What do you think, guys? You like Bruce guys like Bruce Springsteen still? Uh, Frank Marsha, Bill, we have a 24-hour day speed cameras here in Tampa, but not for the same reason as New York. Here it is, the safety issue. It took a mother and a child getting killed by a speeder to cause this here. You know, Frank Marsha, I go to Florida and the people that drive in Florida are out of their mind. People in that state are psychos. There's a lot of road rage People just cut across five lanes of traffic. Uh, uh, if the speed limit's 70, they're doing 90 like it's nothing. So, yeah, Florida could use some of those uh, those safety speed cameras for sure because um, people drive crazy, you know. Jersey Devil, 1,000 to 5,000 per ticket. Nope, not today. <laughs> That's He's talking about Bruce Springsteen, you know. So and those, those Springsteens, oh, Liz Morris. I don't have five thousand to even spend. Period. Imagine spending five thousand dollars for a concert ticket. But even a lot of these rock and roll shows, uh, uh, <laughs> Smitty Bill, if you're gonna, if you want to imitate the boss, you got to pretend you're straining to take a crap. <laughs> I think I'll pass on that one. But uh, you know, and look, all these rock and rollers, Springsteen's got to be in his seventies, right? Definitely. Mick Jag is 77 years old, and Keith Richards, how is that guy still alive? My God, I, I mean, I love the Rolling Stones music, but 77, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, he's got to be about the same age. They're really like the only two Rolling Stones, original Rolling Stones left. The rest of the band is just fill-in musicians, right? Well, not fill they're great musicians, but they're not members of the band, right? Uh, Jersey Devil, the most I ever spent was $120 for the Stones. What century was that, Jersey Devil? The Stones, I mean, probably buy a beer to go see the Stones in the concerts, 120 bucks. you know? Uh, crazy. Uh, Angie Yang, don't care for Springsteen, only song I do like is Brilliant Disguise. Yeah, that's a good tune. I hold you in my arms, the band's playing. What all those words thicken, baby? I can't think of the words. Now that you turn away, saw you last night out at the edge of town. <laughs> John Arbear, hello, Bill. Hope you're well. Doing well, John. I haven't seen you in a while. Good to see you guys. So, you know, we're just now, we're just sort of 
winding down. I got all people say I rant. I rant too much, you know, and uh, I do rant, you know, it makes you feel better. I guess I don't see, I don't have to go to a psychiatrist or a psychiatrist. Like I rant, I get everything out in these rants, you know, uh, Frank Marsh, I can't believe some of those old rockers are still rocking. The Stones were loaded all the time. Yeah, the Stones are still rocking. I think they were in Europe. They're somewhere in Europe. Unbelievable, man. Jersey Devil. Uh, what did you just say, Jersey Devil? You said, uh, Rocky, thank you, Sergeant Bill, for this live today. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming. Really, thanks for coming, guys. Uh, uh, Jersey Devil, greatest rock and roll band in the world. They put on a quite a show. You're talking about the Stones. I'm, I, I remember in 1988, I was in Street Crime, and they played at um, Shea Stadium, the Steel Wheels Tour. If anyone could Google that and look that up, it was the Steel Wheels Tour. And I was in Citywide Anti-Crime. We just went into the stadium and got to see the whole concert. Sometimes there's spiffs to be in a plain clothes cop. And uh, Scotty Wagner says he loves to hear me rant. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's fun to rant, you know. Uh, John Albert going to see Santana and Earth, Wind, and Fire at Jones Beach on eight. Wow, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Wow. They're still around. Santana, he he collapsed recently, didn't he, at a concert? He's an old guy, too. Got to be in his mid-70s, right? All these guys, you know. Keep on rocking in the free world. <laughs> Neil Young's got to be. Close to nursing home age, right? Uh, Mike Smith, you remember the Uncle Floyd TV show? I do, I do. <laughs> I don't know if I watch it, but I remember it. Uh, Bruce and the E Street Band, they play for hours and hours at concerts. Well, if you're going to pay five grand, they better pay for hours and hours, Paul McNutt. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, Angie Ann, come on, Bill. I know you know the words for this. Jay Black, and you must come a little bit closer. <laughs> Come a little bit closer. You're my kind of girl. That's all I remember. I don't remember all the words, but uh, God, man. Unbelievable. And, you know, I think Paul McCartney, he just turned 80, I think. And I think he's probably going to hang it up soon. Oh, you never know. These guys never want to retire. You know, it's like when you do. Um, Kathy Hughes, how many of the chatters here are under 50? I bet not many, you know. Uh, Frank Marshall, Jones Beach, my old stomping grounds from Freeport. Jones Beach has a great concert venue, great place to – the Pogues, yes. I love that guy uh, that sings the – what's his name? It's Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk tank. An old man said to me, won't see another one. And then he sang a song, that rare old mountain dew. I turned my face away and dreamed about you. What's that guy's name? Who's the singer? Missing the teeth and he's always drunk. He's the Pogues, the lead singer for the Pogues. <laughs> but he's great. He's great. He's, he's, sometimes he sings off key, but somehow it works. It just works. Uh, Pogues, yeah. Wow. Shane McGowan, there it is, P. Doyle. Shane McGowan, he does the video too. If you ever see the uh, fairy tale of New York, which was the same song I was just singing, um, the professional one, uh, Matt, what, what, who's the actor again? He's in it, but uh, Shane McGowan sings the song with the Pogues uh, with Christy, is it McNichol? And uh, that was the famous version. And uh, that's a great tune. That's one of the greatest Christmas songs ever. Folks, if you don't know that song, go on YouTube now. It's called Fairy Tale of New York. It's it's an amazing, amazing tune. Shalane Thomason. Hi, Sergeant Bill. Good to see you. The boys in the NYPD. The boys in the NYPD choir were singing Galway Bay. And the bells are ringing out on Christmas Day. Matt Dillon. P. Doyle. Right. Matt Dillon. He's in the um, in the video. Guys, I'm at an hour and four minutes. I thought I was just going to come on for like 45 minutes and say goodbye. But, you know, I get ranting. I get talking to you guys. I get to have some fun. And I'm glad you guys stayed, you know. You know, we don't just get to talk about law enforcement. We get to talk about 
rock and roll and music and stuff like that. Springsteen charging $5,000. We get to rant about everything. Guys, God bless. Thank you so much for stopping by today. It was my pleasure to talk to you guys today. And uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. Have a great night, and I'll see you guys soon. One episode, just ain't enough.